3: In that
1: case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: This podcast is part of the sports social podcast network. This podcast is part of the sports social podcast network. This podcast is part of the sports social podcast network. This podcast, podcast this podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery... Weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust.
5: Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that.
1: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
6: Welcome to a Celtic state of mind Dan Paul John Dykes And today I am delighted to be joined By Brian and Lawrence For an impromptu Saturday bulletin How are you doing guys?
3: Great Absolutely brilliant um, Nice sunny day Day off Not much to do in the house Football's on later can I complain
6: Well this is the thing We're going to continue With the bulletins Throughout the pre-season Um now the the actual headline tells you 38 days until the qualifier so there's plenty to discuss between now and then 106 days after the departure of Neil Lennon we announced the arrival of Ange Postacoglu, he has been on the, uh, the subject header for the last two weeks I think on a Celtic state of mind and on various other platforms, we're going to be talking about the new gaffer but everything else that this rebuild entails now first and foremost most, Brian, you've had a bit of time to digest the fact that uh, Ange, he's not yet in the building, but he's got the job. He's addressed the Celtic fans. He calls himself the boss. Now, in the last week or so, we've spoken to uh, Jared from Celts Down Under, who gave us an Australian perspective on his time over there and and, uh, managing the, the national side. We then spoke yesterday to Dan from the Japanese Times, who scared the life out of us with some of the things he was telling about uh, Ange over in Japan, we're trying to get a balanced view. Um, do you understand? Do you do you appreciate the the kind of fears and the concerns amongst a lot of the Celtic fans with this appointment, Brian?
3: Absolutely. Um, like any like any aspect of life, it's it's fear of the unknown, isn't it? We don't really know what we're getting. Um, we're either getting Brendan Rodgers football or we're getting Tony Mowbray football. I, I think that's the, the going to be the, the extreme. Um, what I've been sort of digesting I've been looking at a lot of what people have said about him in interviews and the commonalities across maybe five, six, seven interviews over various years are all kind of the same he's, um, he's he's determined plays good football it's his way or the highway does he you know he's not the strongest defensively and things take time so part of that I'm excited by as I said, uh, said last time I was on I'm excited that he's coming in. It's going to be something new, something something sort of revolutionary. Hopefully, I think that he's going to come in and it's going to be, you know, Angie's team. He would decide. I like the fact he calls himself the boss and he makes players call him boss. I think that's all right. I, I, I'm I'm on board with that. Where I'm concerned, is the, the defensive side of things mm. and the timing side of things. You know, I think we'll probably talk more later about the the timing side of things and expectations. But that that's my big concerns. Is the defensive naivety? Because maybe domestically we can get away with that, but we will get handed handed our backside in Europe if we if we go in there with, with naivety. And so yeah, so I understand both. I, I'm still quite quite excited about things, but I totally understand why people are nervous.
6: This is the thing. I'm looking at the uh, experience I've had as a Celtic supporter, and all the various managerial appointments that I've experienced. You know, going right back to the departure, I guess, of uh, Billy McNeil first time round. Vaguely remember Davy Hay Big Billy comes back, I remember that vividly, and then after that the whole procession, uh, some, some of whom were, were really kind of high risk Liam Brady comes in, he's a rookie manager massive risk, um, and then we go into the doldrums, uh, everybody uh, of a certain vintage will remember at Lawrence, you know, going through Lou McCary, um, there was a period there where Frank Connor managed for a few games Joe Jordan managed for a game, Billy Stark took over when, when Tommy left, um, and then another couple of high risk appointments, some work out Vim Jansen some didn't um, but for me when I'm looking at Ange Postacoglu and I've said this time and time again it's not a disrespectful attitude that I've got again against Ange I think uh, the most similar appointment that we have had um, at any time in the club's history is probably Ronnie Dailer would you agree with that and do you think Lawrence that it's all about the timing and that's why the concerns are, are rising to the surface here
2: definitely the most similar uh, Dialer. Uh, it is a bit to do with timing but it's also to do with what other changes are going on at the club uh, are we really changing anything have we just put, put in another chief option manager are we going really to actually change the structures at the club I, I think there's huge concerns about well Lenny's came out and said you know back when staff they weren't his own I don't know any sort of said I sports that thinks staff should be foisted upon a man, manager uh, it didn't appear they work under Lenny Uh I think there's a a whole range of things you know we didn't do the 10 but for me it's structurally where's the club going if it you know they were talking bringing in Howe and giving him his own backroom staff and his own director of football Mm -hmm. if that was the right structure then why is it not the right structure underage if that's the right structure for a football club why is it now changed Mm -hmm. has it changed I don't know Are they're going to bring a director of football who knows Uh, Celtics Communications I suppose somewhat lacking isn't it I don't know if they're looking for one or not looking for one
6: well, this is this was the thing. It was a major restructure, Brian, and we uh, heard about part of this restructure being a director of football. Part of the Eddie Howe deal being that he was selecting his own director of football that surprised quite a lot of Celtic fans uh, Fergal Harkin had been discussed in relation to other managers who might have been coming in all of a sudden we have an appointment of a manager and no mention of a director of football no mention of a head of recruitment for example um, does it do, in your mind do you think that Celtic have, have changed direction here at the last minute and said right well we're all in with Eddie Howe and all his staff including our director of football however we're going to play it a little bit safer here we're bringing in Ange I mean from what we're hearing here there's there's mixed, there's actually been mixed reports, uh, some people are saying that John Kennedy and Strachan will be part of his backroom team, others are saying that he's not, do you think there's been a huge shift in direction here? I
3: think yes and no I actually think, they going back to what their original plan would have been I think when they were going to get rid of Lennon and Lowell was leaving they decided to, to modernise the club, as they keep saying and I think they were going to get a director of football, head of recruitment, sporting director, canteen director, whatever you call them. I think that was, that was the plan. I think when Eddie Howe was going to come in, he basically said, I want my version of all of that. And I think that's why guys are harking and stuff or sort of put to the side, because they're relying on Howe. Now that that's not happened... I think they're actually going back to that. I think getting mm-hmm. Andrew in is the first stage to try and rebuild the squad and, and sort of stabilise the playing side of things because that's the most time-sensitive. The reason I, I, um, I, I think it's going to take longer than a season for the rebuild because I think they're going to have to recruit a director of football, head recruitment, sport scientists, videos, all that that modernisation over the course of this season. And I think Angie's going to basically steady the playing side while they work in the background to do everything else. So, I think, they, I think they've still got a plan in place. Obviously, they're seeking the I'm not telling us. I've got my own theory about the director of football. As I'd mentioned before, I think um, I think Mark Lowell has got a lot to do with it. I mm-hmm. think that's where City Link comes from. I don't think it was Harkin. I think it's been um, Lowell Jr. who's been responsible. Um, and I think there's a lot of communication through him. may not be him that takes the job, but I think they're, they're leaning on him a lot of these things um, yeah I think that I think there's still there's so much change so much research just still to come I don't think they've deviated from it I just think they've had to basically almost stall it for the moment yeah, yeah. you know when not- <laughs> you,
6: you've mentioned the personnel there and I wanted to go through that a, a, a few weeks ago Colin and I did a very similar bulletin on a Saturday and we went through the entire playing staff, Brian. And we, we had a kind of brutal view on it. Who's going to stay? Who's going to go? How many players will we need to recruit this pre-season? And it, it ranged from 12 to 18 players. And we looked at the entire squad. I'm talking all the, all the young players, all the fringe players, who might have been leaving Celtic Park. And then, even back then, we're thinking, well, this is a, a, a major rebuild just on personnel on the playing side of things, that's before you start talking about, as you say, the dietitians, sports scientists, physiotherapists and everything else that comes with the staff that a manager normally has now with a, a big football club and we are calling this one of the biggest jobs in world football, that was part of the statement, so if that is the case, we could, and I'm going to run through the areas of the, the playing staff and we'll have a look at uh, a kind of idea as to how big this rebuild is going to be, with 38 days to the first qualifying. There's no way, I think That we will be able to replace Everybody that's leaving There is going to be a patchwork operation I think for the first qualifier And how frustrating is that After nine years of domestic domination That we're still Patching a team together And particularly a defence together For the first European game So what we'll do is we'll run through um, Each of the areas of the park Starting off I mean, this is interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on the Euros a wee bit here. Scotland's, one of Scotland's goalkeepers, Craig Gordon. We keep talking, Lawrence Conley around the Fraser Foster issue, Foster leaving. Um, I think that Craig Gordon leaving was part of the fact that we thought Foster was coming back in. He is still performing and performing at a high, high level. Meanwhile, We've got three goalkeepers that you could see are part of the first team squad in Barkas, Bain, and Hazard. How is that looking for us going into the first qualifier? There's still a question mark around Barkas whether or not he's going to make a return to Greece. If that's the case, Scott Bain's your number one for the first qualifier in the Champions League, isn't
2: he? Well, if I was to look at the three yeah, kind of them, ordinarily you can hold Bain. What's his future in the club? For me, he's never first choice. I should never be first choice. We don't think he's got quality. The age is at, we're not going to develop him. We've got Hazard, we could be developing. God knows with the Greek boy. If he's, if, he, if he's a goalkeeper, never mind if he's come back. Uh, I, you know, the last couple of games it kind of looked okay. The Lions get a performance out of him. Was it settling in? Was it COVID? I don't know. But yeah, it, it's a worry in For me, for I any of those three his first choice keeper whether you know the Greek boy stays because we don't know enough about him long Hazard looks a wee bit suspect when he's covering for balls he mm-hmm. doesn't command his box well and maybe he's leaving kind of game time to solve that uh, and for, for me Bane's just not off the standard so put not worry that position
6: It is a concern, Brian, I'll come to yourself now, i look at the, the, we've got three goalkeepers, we'll come on to the Colts as well because Lawrence has uh, left us just so he can get rid of that helicopter sound that's coming through his mic Um, we'll look at the Colts as well because I think that's going to be really relevant when we're assessing or when Anne's the Coglu's assessing the squad he knows that there's going to have to be a Colts team and there's going to be fringe players who will be part of that team so we'll come into that in a moment or so and I know that there are other goalkeepers at the club but going into uh, four competitions um, you would expect to have three goalkeepers and I still think that at this stage isn't it a concern that we're still wondering who the first choice is I mean Hazard he came, he came in he played a massive part in the Scottish Cup win Which sealed the quadruple treble People were critical of At least one of the goals that he lost in the game But he'd done so so well In the penalty shootout He was the first choice Then Barkas apparently was the first choice And Neil Lennon came out and said he was his first choice goalkeeper Then he was dropped again So, so last season it was game time for, for three different goalies Yet I don't think anyone's any clearer As to who's the number one What's your take on that? Should we try and cut our losses on Barkas And bring a new keeper in?
3: Yeah, well, in terms of the three keepers, uh, Bane shouldn't have been anywhere near a Celtic side to begin with. He, for me, he's by average at best. Um, Hazard, I think, is actually the best at three. I think you can get something out of him. Um, he's got a bit of physicality. Um, but like Fraser Foster at first, actually. Remember, Big Foster was absolutely awful at crosses when he first came in, remember? And he couldn't um, kick a He couldn't kick a ball. He Hazard could could develop into that. Mm -hmm. Barkas, for me, apart from his short of ability, which we've not seen enough of, he just doesn't inspire any sort of confidence. I mean, I'm a little guy, I'm like five foot six. If I was a striker against Barkas, I'd be comfortable knocking him around. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't look like he's going to put and command a box to me. My only slight concern is that Poster Cobbler, does not seem too concerned that his keepers have actually been good keepers. He likes them to come out with the ball at their feet and be a sweeper keeper, which right. apparently is his strength. So I, I think he will be there, and I think he'll get a chance, whether he should. no, for me, I would switch him out. Um, but, you know, the thing about who's going to be the first-choice keeper, it really depends on, on Ange. I mean, Neil Lennon, he seemed to have a, a, an idea who. He was... Who's playing, who he wasn't playing, who he was told to play probably. So we don't really know who Anne sees his first choice. My feeling is it would be Barcass. Um just because I think he fits the description of the keepers post-couple likes.
6: Mm. Yeah, you're right. So playing from the back, like the sweeper keeper, uh which incidentally didn't suit how we were playing last season, which is maybe one of the reasons why um his Celtic career didn't didn't take off. Now A bigger concern even than that in my eyes is the defensive situation so I've had a look at the the squad the wider squad and I think this is as wafer thin a Celtic defence as I've ever seen now we've already heard that Chris Ayer, obviously on international duty sees it as an opportunity to be a wee bit more free talking than on the official club channels and he's spoken about his desire to leave this pre-season um what I'm unhappy with is the, the kind of fees that I'm, I'm hearing. I know it's just speculation, Brian, but you've heard some of the fees around IR who obviously had been linked, and the link is no longer an active one, previously with AC Milan. Salt uh, and Kenny are way back to their respective uh, clubs, and we wish them all the best because they weren't going to have a career at Celtic Park. And we know the situation with Jack Hendry, currently out there uh, playing for Scotland in the Euros, and... Um, It's not been confirmed yet, but we're expecting the Ostend deal to to go ahead and they will probably flip that and make a few quid on the back of Jack Kendry's performances over the last year and potentially in this tournament as well. I've got a question mark around Ralston. Not quite sure if he's still in the building or if we're going to terminate the last year of his deal to allow him to go and speak out to other clubs. O'Connor's coming back in, finds himself the first choice right back after 40 odd appearances with Tranmere. We've got Welsh, who's got some vital experience this season or the season past. Julie ends out until October. Taylor at left back. And then you start looking at players like Bolingoli and Leo Held. Leo Held, a 17-year-old, who, fair enough, has got experience in the Scottish Premiership. But really, if you're looking at the two centre-halves being Welsh and Held, it shows you just how wafer thin our defence is. That's before we look at Beaton. I've got him in the midfielders. uh, Probably much to the annoyance of Kevin Graham, who says that he is now a centre-half. I've still got him in the, the midfield. But if you try and have a look at the defence then, in 38 days' time, and I'm going to come to yourself, Lawrence, in just a second. We could be looking at a defence of Leo Connor, who's never kicked a ball for Celtic Football Club. Stephen Welsh, uh, near on and left back Taylor, if he's back and fit from the Euros. Uh, that is, for me, the weakest Celtic defence I can remember, and I've seen a few weak defences at
2: Celtic Park. I wouldn't have any worries uh, about Taylor. The problem is? Can, you know, the other three. On the first team starters, and I would say a far from it. You know, well, didn't have a bad season, but I wouldn't say they had a good one. I wouldn't say he's nailed down a first team start position. Right back, Jesus said, not kicked the ball. You know, either rated at Man United before they come up. He's been at Tramway, but he's been playing the defensive mid as well as right back. Mm-hmm. I yelled, "It," you know, it, it looked okay. The next Van Dyke? Well, it looked okay in patches of games. I don't, you know, not in full ninety minutes so far. So, so touched on. He's young and he needs to learn, but Jesus, would you want him defending forty million?
6: Well, this is the big question, and we'll go on to the the swing in finances from Celtic Park to Ibrox, and this is how it's so important to get our act together and actually have a team on a park that is going to give us a fighting chance. Now, there are, and I understand and I appreciate there are other players, but I've put them into the Colts category, Brian, because we're going to be talking about the Colts. Guys, maybe like you and O2, who had a good spell, a very good spell at Clyde last season, 17-year-old. I don't see him being part of the first team at Celtic. At this stage And I would expect him to form part of the wider Colts squad So it's pretty concerning when you look at that defence That either for a backup Or for a first choice we need a right back A left back and two centre halves
1: This week on the Marketers Report Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery Weighs in on building trust As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Yeah, it's
3: um, one of the interesting things. So I I have, in various times over the past month or so, sketched out what I think the score is going to look like. And what we need now what we need is essentially 11 new players I think we'll be lucky to get that Um, I might come to this point later but I I think the the club's preparing for downsizing the looks of it I think we all have to recruit positions but I think overall they're going to cut the squad down considerably so I think you see a lot of bodies leaving to go back to the actual question we need at least two centre-halves although Julien's going to be coming back you're probably looking at Julian and someone else is your first choice with Henry and the other centre half is your second choice partnership and um, <clears throat> Helge is just, just a cover for any injuries you need two centre halves minimum. left back will goal stay post the call there's no bias against him we did not do it into his season so Will he stay or will he be told to, to punt him? I don't know. But I think that'd be a straight replacement that's covered anyway. I think you're probably mm-hmm. good money for ball and goalie. So actually left-back, I'm not too worried about. Right-back, now that's a concern. We haven't had a good right-back at Celtic since Michael Lustig.
6: 100%.
3: I mean, we but just not. Before him, Adam Matthews, maybe. Maybe. Um, Leo Connor. I think he probably do a job, actually. I think he's actually quite high-rated. And, you know, if... if Obviously you only watch some highlights on YouTube, but you good crossing ability. Um he looks athletic boy. So I think i covered cover that's all right. But I think you need to invest in a, a real solid, strong right back. Actually, given the way Poster is supposed to play, that could be the position you have to spend the most money on. If you look at, you know, the two full back areas. Yeah,
6: like, yeah.
3: A lot of pace, a lot of crosses in. So the investment, I think the money that we spend will all go to the defence. Which then leaves a worry for the rest of the team, which we'll get to later. But I think, yeah, two centre backs minimum, a real, real top quality right back, and possibly a left back as cover.
6: I mean, I, I think back right back to the old fanzine days and the old quip, does he play left-back? Because we used to always struggle for left-backs and then all of a sudden we had a, a, a couple that, that fared us pretty well in Izzy Geary and then and Kieran Tierney. Since Tierney's left, and I know uh, Lawrence a big fan of Greg Taylor and I'm not criticising Taylor, um, but we really haven't had that first pick left-back. Taylor's been in and out the side, You know, like Salt comes in, you would think on big money coming in from AC Milan, didn't work out. And you're right about the right backs, Brian. I mean, since Lustig, you've had Toyan, who was an €8 million player that Borussia Dortmund had spent big money on, didn't work out. Maurice Bayer, who had played at a high, high level, thought he was a good crosser of the ball, I've got to say. But, you know, he did, it didn't work out for him. And then Kenny comes in, even Frimpong, uh, you know, in terms of his defensive ability, and I know that he's gone on and had a big money move elsewhere, so huge investment in the defensive areas, um, I've seen a lot of talk around, alright, well Ange Postacoglu's uh, Australian source, Tommy Roderick, that means that we've got a new player in Tom Roderick, and he's going to perform tremendously well as soon as Ange's in the building and we all know it doesn't really work like that but when we look at the midfield, El Yunusi, there's not really been much chat around El Yunusi. I, I think uh, a few months ago there was talk about a £5 million option to buy him, at. A bit quiet in Cham. There's talk about his last year, his deal getting ripped up and him going to AAK Athens. Ryan Christie looking to impress in the Euros, could be on his way out. And the chat around Marion's Fed is that he could be leaving as well. So there's another four players uh, away from the squad, leaving us with uh, Sorrow, McGregor, Turnbull, Tommy Rogic, Johnson Forrest, Shaw, and Beaton. And again, it's leaving us wafer thin now I've had a wee look at Liam Shaw's performances last season for Sheffield Wednesday um, he's either utilised as a central midfielder Lawrence or an attacking midfielder um, I'm looking at Mikey Johnson who didn't get a huge amount of game time I've not mentioned Dembele young Dembele who came in for a couple of appearances at the end of last season again where are we strengthening here because I mean Brian says we need a, a whole new defence we certainly Strengthened in the, the midfield areas and particularly in the wide areas, don't we?
2: Yeah, I mean, Larry was on record said he wanted two wiggers in alone to cover because we only had Johnston Forrest at that time. And who knows if Mike is going to make it? You know, James has got his injury pro- programmes. So if that's what we're going for a full season with, nobody to get a full season out of both of them. I don't think they get a full season out of two to put together. So, you know, with everything, we need strength and wide. We also have got a midfield? local O'Connell's coming back as well, isn't he? So we've a large number of kind of in the centre. We've a large number that's good enough that we'd count as first-team starters. Turnbull McGregor in the centre of the starters. You think Forrest, and his fits get positioned, they kneel down and wide. Anyone else that's really pushing it, you are thinking he should be starting definitely. We're There's starting a few... Then,
6: We are, there's a few players uh, Brian, who have got either first team experience at Celtic or elsewhere, Luca Connell being one that Lawrence quite rightly mentions and they're at an age, I mean where's where's Connell now, 21 Luca Connell, you've got Scott uh, Robertson played for the first team 19, he went out to Doncaster, went out to Gillingham, uh, Kerr McEnoy 20 year old, he's uh, gone out to Dunfermline Jonathan Ifolabi, 21 I mean around about that age you're like you're thinking well, you know, he's either in the first team or his Celtic career probably coming to, to a, a close and you've also got Ewan Henderson at 21, younger brother Liam, um, these are the type of players that are probably a year or two too old for the Colts team I mean, the coach team, I'm guessing at that level, you're probably looking mainly under 18 level. Um, I certainly wouldn't expect many of the players to be over the age of 20. And a lot of these kind of younger French players who've been out on loan, Brian, are at that age. I mean, if they're not part of the first team, it's probably best for their own careers if they if they move on and get first team football elsewhere. Is there any from there, those names that you think might be part of the, the first team squad going forward? We've heard Ange Postacoglu talking about the importance of youth and developing the youth system.
3: I think probably Scott Robertson's the one that, that sort of stands out. Um, I think he's a good season on loan. I think he was kind of on the fringes of the first team before he went. He's sort of holding midfielder. He's a bit of a presence about him. I think he might come in. The see, just in terms of numbers we need for that midfield. So, again, I think it's going to be maximum two players per a position. I think they'll really stream, streamline the squad. So you're talking Tumble and Rogic and that number 10. Mm-hmm. and your you four box to box are sitting midfielders are going to be Sorrow, McGregor the big boy Shaw who's an unknown quantity and then maybe one of the loanees coming back so um, in terms of the wide players I think you'll have Dembele and Forrest on the right uh, Johnson on the left so you need a left winger at least or something mm-hmm. can play both sides and you probably need a, a holding midfielder with a bit of presence so that's another two my worry is that they'll see that as a luxury. My worry is they'll say, well, Sorrell and McGregor can probably do it. They'll stay fit for most of the season. We don't really need to strengthen anymore." And, and I think that's, that's my worry. If you really spend a lot of money at the back, it's mm. going to get neglected mid at the front because the idea is, well, Turnbull, McGregor, Sorrell, that's a really good deal, And it is. But they're also all, apart from McGregor, Sorrell and Turnbull are still young guys. Mm-hmm. They're going to be inconsistent. They might get injuries, and if you're playing in four competitions, as you say, hopefully four competitions, you're going to need more. But that's why I think that some of the academy guys will be drafted in just as cover. I think anyone. I don't see them buying anyone. We think it's just cover. I think that they'll have their two players for a position, and if someone gets injured, they'll just grab one of the kids in and put them in because they'll not see it as a priority. That's just my opinion, um, but. Again, long-winded answer, but I think you're looking at a, a holding player with a bit of presence because McGregor and Soror are too small physically for me in that role. Um, and I think you're needing a life-winger. <laughs> I don't think Johnson's consistent enough, and I don't know it he will be, if I'm honest.
6: No, the, the, my biggest disappointment, I think, uh, upon his return is he was at that stage, I think, Brian, where you remember Christie going out to Aberdeen and he came back and he, he had transformed physically. You know, he was one of these guys, a skinny guy, um, who had gone out, he'd come in from Inverness, gone back out there, come back and away to Aberdeen, and he made a massive impression uh, with the Dons, but when he comes back, he's put on a stone and a half in weight, um, probably all muscle, and you could tell, and his performances um, improved, uh, you know, drastically, dramatically when he came back. We'll remember the semi-final at Murrayfield, but... After that, he became a pivotal member of the Celtic squad. I was expecting something similar, I guess, with Mikey, and I know he's quite slight, but he's at that age now where, you know, he's been away um, with a long term injury, and it it might have given him an opportunity to really develop that physical aspect of his game. Is he too lightweight? You know, you compare him to El Yanousi. For example, I know El Yunusi divided opinion, but he he had the physical presence, you know, and I think a lot of his goals as a result of that were probably um, aerial duels that he won. I mean, there was plenty of others that he didn't and he should have scored far more with his head but he was a presence and he was an attacking force I don't see that, I think Mikey Johnson's got the jinkiness, he's got the tricks and all that kind of stuff, very entertaining player on his game but there was that opportunity for me I felt within the last season or two for him to really come back strong, I've not seen it yet and it's a bit disappointing because I love seeing guys like Mikey and Jamesy coming through and and being our first picks, Uh, Stephen James comes in, welcome back to the show Stephen even Ralston still on Celtics books. He is. And I just think, you know, he's a guy that Brennan Rogers rated and regarded very, very highly. I think he was rewarded uh, with a you know, five-year deal, wasn't he? You know, following the performances against Alexey Neymar at PSG. Five-year deal. He's played very little football since then. So we're looking at a lot of these positions where we're thinking, right, we need one, at least one, in that area maybe two but as you say Brian that, that might result in us bringing in 12 players and to actually try and get a mould of 12 players is going to be nigh on impossible we see how difficult it was last season with six that brings us up to the attacking options of which there are very, very few. I'll come to yourself first, Lawrence. It would appear that Griffiths' contract has ended. There was a, a wee bogus tweet came out and disappeared just as quickly from his brother. Um, we knew that he was, uh, his deal was up on the 31st of May. No doubt he'll go uh, to a club such as Aberdeen or, or Hibs and be a revelation with them. You know, he's, he's going to score 20 goals a season, Lee Griffiths, in the Scottish League. But that actually leaves us if Edward leaves, and we're expecting him to with a bio and a yeti. So, when you're looking at that, and I, I mean, I don't know if the plans are to bring bio back, Lawrence. We need another couple of strikers as well.
2: Without doubt, I mean, anything I've seen a bio in 20 second second division, I wouldn't be bringing him back as <laughs> a first time striker for South side You know, let's try and get some money back in him. I think that was another player that was bought without the manager's involvement. Mm-hmm. which hopefully is something we're going to stop a Yeti you know first four games five games three or four goals he looked,
6: looked apart in the first half a dozen games Lawrence absolutely
2: effort's questionable which mm-hmm. I really hate up player you know it's, it's the minimum we should expect is 100% effort and yeah I'd be shocked if we even saw simply or 80% of effort out of it. Yeah, even when he was looking the part he didn't seem like a guy that was busting a got for you and if Angie's going to play a pressing game he's going to need a striker that's going to put some effort in so Eddie goes you know whatever kind of figure we get it's not going to be the 40 million that was once talked about no and if it's 50, 15 18 million do we go for there what is our bias these days and it, you know there's rumours a couple of boys in Japan looking to come over but would they make the grade and it's, it's one of those ones if Griffith has been let go. He touched on it. You know he's twenty goals if you can get him playing. He know he's twenty goals in, in Scotland. The guys you began you don't know for ten goals in Scotland. Never mind twenty. So uh, yeah, you know as much as I've uh, talked about Andy, and his teams are scoring enough goals and defence takes care of itself. Kenan, somebody that's going to score the goal for so us to do that.
6: Well, again, we, we spoke long and hard around the benefits he may be keeping. Lee Griffiths. I'm going to come to Brian here because you know I've spoken uh, about this time and time again, Brian, in relation to Lee Griffiths, and it was almost like you know that, that safe pair of hands, if you like. So I thought to myself, bring in uh, maybe another striker, but we know that Edwards leaving, keep Lee Griffiths because at the moment we've gone from having Klamala Bayo who was out on loan Griffiths, Ayeti and Edward to Bayo and Ayeti you know probably two of the worst of the five I mean how many goals does £5 million from an EPL side give you well last season what did what did Ayeti get last season six so he didn't even hit double figures so what, what Lawrence is saying is spot on you've got a player in Lee Griffiths and we know that you let the gaffer down, he let the club down, he let the supporters down because he wasn't fit enough and he had to take ownership of that and take responsibility for that but if he goes away and scores 20 goals, which he, he's done at every club, he's done it at Livingston, Dundee he's done it at Hibs um, he scored a goal every two games at Wolves he's done it with Celtic, if he goes away and does that, how much money do we spend to replace a 20 goal a season striker?
1: It's the Marketers Report Not just a media company. iHeart Media is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: Well, the, the thing with, just, I'll just touch on Griffiths quickly because you've kind of covered it and I sort of agree. This is going to sound like a weird comparison, but I remember when Michael Owen played for Man United and I think they got him in a free and he'd had his injury problems. And Alex Ferguson, when he, asked, when he was asked about him, said, well, I can have him in my squad. He's not cost me anything and he guarantee me 10 to 15 goals a season. Mm-hmm. Griffith should have been the same. There's no costing is anything. He will no give you goals. His attitude might not be great. Fair enough. He might not be fit, whatever. He might have these issues. But he'll give you goals. A Yeti, for me, I actually think a, a manager can get a good tune at a I think there's a player in there. I think he's got the attributes of a good player. But if we look at this through the optics of and Jake team do we he want his front players to move and run and power mm. that's not his game so I think even if he had a good season last season I think he'd be off Bayo no don't don't kid me on um, the boy Nesbitt we should have got him in a month ago because I think he'll have a good Euros I think he'll score a couple of goals if he scores against England you're not getting him for two million no you're just, you're no. just not so you know the, the, it almost raises a bigger issue for me is the fact that how many times over the years has Celtic never had a striker in reserve, like a young striker coming through the ranks? I mean, Absolutely. Remember, the last player I remember that was a striker that came through the reserves that they called on was Mark Aitchison. became the youngest player to school for Celtic, remember? And he went to Forest Green or something? Forest Green, and as you know now, at Barnsley. Barnsley, something he like He went that. to Barnsley, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was what, he's something, sort of, about five years ago, something like that, six years ago. That was the last thing yeah. he had an actual striker in the yeah. Ronnie Daly's last game? Was it Ronnie Daly's last yeah, game? I mean, I, I, he gave him his debut, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's insanity. And it speaks to the bigger issue of the problems at Celtic just now. Absolutely. Yeah. But see, I, I have to agree with both of you. I think up front, you're basically starting to scratch. I, I think you're almost saying, right, get rid of every striker we've got and try and get three strikers in, you know, at a complete back four.
1: Mm, I a
3: couple of midfielders, a couple of wingers.
6: Possibly it, a goalie.
3: It's as unrealistic as it is difficult, I think, I, I just, I can't see that. I think that there'll, be a, there'll be a workaround. I think there'll be a lot of loan deals, free transfers, things like that, just to sort of pep up the squad. Uh, maybe a few senior players coming to the end of their contract at places. Mm-hmm. We keep hearing about the, the Irish boy, at Burnley, what's his name, his contract was running out. The winger we're always linked to, Robbie Brady. Is that him? Right. Guys, at like time I think will maybe come in, but again, are they opposed to the call signing? Because I don't know if he knows much about Burnley. That that's that's my other worry is the the transfers because we don't have a head of recruitment. That's why I think a good head of recruitment is going to take at least six months to scout the markets we can use, then find mm-hmm. Brexit before they can give our manager a selection of targets. So that's why I think this season we'll be working off scraps until we get the people we want.
6: It is a situation and a half with 38 days to go. Um, And this was the big gamble that we're talking about now. When you're looking at the scenario of a Celtic striker coming through the ranks, we've spoken about it as well, Brian. We went further back. We said, you know, we had a, a great kind of tradition of producing strikers, but it stopped so I mean go back to the 80s the last great striker we produced in the 80s was Charlie Nicholas you then look at the 90s and by the way we know it was a lot of doom and gloom but the last striker we produced in the 90s was probably Jerry Craney we then had Mark Burchill coming in but you know, his kind of like shone uh, very, very briefly before he left the club. After that, you really are clutching. And, and a few commenters came in and said, What, about Sean Maloney? Yeah, Maloney came in and scored goals. He wasn't an out and out striker, though, you know? So, I, and, and obviously, Forrest has scored plenty of goals, but he's a right winger. And I just think it's something that. As you say, it's a more deep-rooted issue at Celtic Football Club. And we could have probably said the same in terms of centre-halves. You know, since Kennedy and McManus came through, we hadn't really produced anything. Welsh came in and, yeah, I know, I, I know he's not a world-beater, but I think he's done himself absolutely no harm in the last season, maybe getting 20 appearances under his belt. And it was the same with the goalies. You know, that's why when, when Hazard came through, who was the last goalkeeper Celtic produced? You know, we had fleeting appearances from a whole host of them. But, you know, Stuart Kerr, maybe? Stuart Dave Kerr? David Marshall. And, you know, not, not many. And then you ask yourself, how many of these players played more than 50 games for Celtic? So, the whole youth structure is something that I hope is part of this restructure. So, that's pretty grim. It's pretty grim reading, isn't it? When you look at that and you think, well, we're going to have at least 10 players, 10 first-teamers leaving the club. You can't bring 10 in in one transfer window. Um, so, like you say, I think we will be seeing, seeing the likes of Near Beaton playing in that first Champions League qualifier because of his experience. He will get a game, oh, you know, probably at the back alongside Stephen Welsh. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting, Lawrence, from the first address we got, not only from Ange Postacoglu, but also from Dominic Mackay, where he said that they had been talking about and discussing transfer targets for some time um, going back to what Brian says are, are we just scrapping the head of recruitment is this going to be something that uh, is done between the CEO and the manager who's actually identifying
2: the players listen who knows but part of the discussion is coming as managers any manager's got to do, do his due diligence and south they can go so this is where I think your squad's falling down this is where we're short and if I'm coming in I want to bring he, he must have favoured players that he fancied three or four that like, these are guys that I want in because I think they can sort the problem you know, the manager is not going to be 100% relying on a head of recruitment it's worrying that we don't have one and don't seem to know what we're doing with it but surely the manager's got some players whether it's three or four that he's identified and went further look the Celtic these are boys that can improve and unfortunately it's not just improve the squad it's improved the first team we need just now improving the squad would be a bit easier the problem is, we've got so many deficiencies in the first team. Mm-hmm. That's really where we need to improve. And that's what's going to be harder for the kind of money we're going to spend. You know, it's, Ryan's on it, you know, it might be players coming to the end of their career, whether it's Robbie Brady, other, other people out there, you know, ending a contract. You might see a couple of them getting brought in. You know, there'd be some whispers or some Man City boys get brought in. It's worked for us in the past, the City Link. Uh, it's just been over reliant on it you know, we are touching when was the last time we produced a keeper a striker, a centre-half. A lot of that's to do with bloated squads with players that, that are sitting on big money that we buy for two or three million without a manager's knowledge. Mm-hmm. And they act as blockers to developing their own talent. So, you know, it's kind of a perfect storm of a rebuild here, isn't it? We're going, right, we now need to get five or six first-teamers in we need cover where's the cover going to come from because we, we really don't know kind of what's under the surface itself they just now no reserve they haven't really had a test as such where you can, can judge them if you're going to make that step up because the yonder is too big a jump I think to be, to be judging them up.
6: Oh, I think so, and I think we've seen that actually. You know, after the the Dubai debacle, Brian, where we were forced to throw a lot of the kids in, and they certainly were not. I didn't think they looked first team ready. A lot of them, um, simply because they're not getting anything from maybe the age eighteen to first team level to bridge the gap. Um, it used to be bridged by the reserve league. Uh, one name that came to my mind when when Lawrence was talking there about the blockers, and I totally agree with him. We've been bringing in blockers, you know, for years and years. Uh, one of the famous one, Marvin Compere you know, Brennan Rogers clearly didn't buy him because he only played him for 60 minutes against Greenock Morton in the Cup Um, but, and I'm not saying this guy should be signed by Celtic or is good enough to play for Celtic, but look at Jamie McCart look what Jamie McCart's done since he's left Celtic, he's won three domestic trophies he's won two League Cups, he's won one Scottish Cup (coughs) and he's a first pick, he was at Celtic Park, but we didn't develop him from the youth player that he was I think he was a captain of the youth team didn't develop him into a first-team player, but he's went away and developed elsewhere. And he is a steady player at this level. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're actually, I think we're investing something like £2.5 million in our youth development, but it seems to be, Brian, that we're supplying all these players to virtually every other club in Scotland. Um, so when we're looking at the the coach team for next season, do you see it being more of an under-18s side at that level? And if so... Do you think there's there's some kind of um, you know disadvantages of that of an eighteen year old playing at that level of Scottish football?
3: Um, so first of all, just in your point about McCart, um, I mean he's been, that's been a heroic season for him. I mean the guys mm-hmm. won a lot of trophies. I think uh, I actually think Stephen Gerrard sits with a Jamie McCart t-shirt on at night because he because he wins a lot. Show a thing or two. <laughs> um, apart from that, we dig, um, One of the things that I, in a sort more positive way. I remember under Gordon Starkin, your defence was Gary Caldwell, who was at Hibs, and Steve McManus, who needed heard of. And we went to the Champions League last 16 twice. Darnold Day came through the rights. So I think without a good coaching setup and putting these boys in, you might find a few diamonds. Your question about the Colts um in the under 18s, I think it's a huge advantage for these boys to be playing. Because if you're an eighteen year old winger and you're coming up against a, a left back that is a joiner midweek, a man a man's man, family man in his thirties, kicking about the place, you're going to steady up quickly. You're going to adapt how to go around them. You're going to avoid playing up against them. You're going to strengthen your character. In any competitive game, a game of fives against your mates is more competitive than a reserve game. And I think if you look at any ex player they'll tell you the same. So I actually think it's a huge advantage to Colts. My my issue with the coach is: see if you're registered for the Colts and you're playing in the League Two, see, can the first team call you up during the season? So, say someone has a, a it's, we've got a, a centre mid and he's absolutely smashing it, and we think, oh, give this boy a game. Mm-hmm. Can we call him straight into the first team squad? Or That's a good
6: question. That's a good question. I've had a look on the uh, on the site, the official site, to try and get all the.
3: It It's no
6: clarifier at all, is it? Um, because as you say, there, you know, you imagine Celtic going into a, an important cup game or a, an important European game if we're still in Europe uh, in a few months, and someone gets injured, and as you say, someone's tearing up trees, and you know, you want to then transition them, even to sit on the bench. Sometimes, you know, that's what you need. Um, it's not actually clear at this moment in time. And I'm not sure if it's something that they're still developing, Brian. As we go along, um, will there be able to, you know, be, will there be a cross transference of players from that division into the Premiership? It remains to be seen. Um, but you know, I think it's the first step in trying to develop the players. And I'm looking forward to next season. Lawrence will be covering the first team, the women's team, and the Colts team. So you've got three Celtic teams to support, which is right up your street, Lawrence Connolly.
2: Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Listen, hopefully, the women's do well in, in the Champions League and we get it under the disco lights. Uh, because what a finish to the season they had. We you know if Anbid had been that trolley city, who knows what might have been. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. Will we be able to drop people in and out the, the Colts team in at the first team? Because it, it looks like we're going to need to, aren't we? We're, you know, we're going to be threadbare. We're cutting back. There's no doubt in that. And maybe the guys at the club are preparing for the effects of COVID which is still to fully hit football teams because mm. who knows how many fans are going to be allowed back in stadiums uh, you know and the fans aren't allowed back in stadiums that's, that's a killer finance wise uh, and it won't just affect Celtic that could be uh, across the world so yeah I, I think it's time for a slug down we'd want to be able to drop people in and out but uh, it's interesting things, isn't it you know and put, he's not going to be in for two weeks. So Kennedy and Strachan get the, the players to the required level of fitness, which they couldn't do last season. When we were looking at it, didn't look particularly fit. Mm. And just going to want them fitter. That will leave three weeks for Ange to prepare for the Champions League. Ah, uh, Betty's signings in. I'm assuming we'll be negotiating signings at the moment. Surely, mm. surely we're not going to wait for him to actually walk in the building to do that.
6: Well, you know, Lawrence, waiting until uh, the qualifiers are out of the way before the players come in is something that we've seen in the past. So that remains to be seen. But one final question on the the personnel side of things, Brian, I'll come to you first. The question of the captain. A lot of Celtic fans are just, you know, taking it as a given that the captain, the captaincy, will go to Callum McGregor. Um, I look at McGregor, you know, his. Figures have been incredible in terms of minutes played, games played over over the last several seasons. Um, Is it time to give him even more of a weight on his shoulders by giving him the captaincy? Do you think that would affect him in any way? Or should it go to to someone else? I've seen a few suggestions out there. There aren't many, let's be honest. Um, James Forrest, I think shouldn't get it for the same reasons as McGregor because although they lead by example I don't know if their leaders as such are going to dig you out of a hole I can't really imagine them in the huddle given that team talk before the, the kickoff. off um, I thought Ayer had the leadership qualities but he's on his way out somebody uh, just yesterday suggested to me Chris Julien I'm not con- convinced with Julien as a leader I think um, there's been occasions where he has been spooked in games and ended up hiding. You can't do that if you're the captain. Where are we with, with regards to the captain? It's a bit of a concern for me. What do you think, Brian?
3: So, I think that, given Callum, the captain, said this season would be a mistake. The reason being, whoever's captain this season is following up from Scott Brown. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the opinion, Scott Brown is one of the greatest ever captains. He's one of the most honoured captains of Scottish football. If you're following that up, and you fail, that's big shoes to fill. So imagine being manager of Celtic and then having to fill in Scott Brown. Uh, sorry, being captain of Celtic Imagine under and uh, following Scott Brown. It, it's so much expectation. I think what they'll do is they'll, they'll bring someone in to be captain. I think they'll, they'll probably bring someone in that they think can be captain, at least for a season. Mm-hmm. And then once we'll see how this season goes and then maybe pass it to Callum if he's still there. But I think the way I think to give up just now, there's too much over in Callum anyway and it costs, I think you can see his performance the dwindled last season. It's maybe because Lenny was feeding the mind-brewing pizzas to be fair, but... Um,
6: <laughs> i no not giving him to, a game plan.
3: Aye, i <laughs> no telling what to do. Um, so I, I think you'd be harsh at this stage. In terms of the current squad... The reason I think it has to be someone bringing in is because I just don't see anyone as a standout captain. Um, I know we, we forest, is, um, is done well and stuff, but you see going to be, we have guys like him and McGregor might say examples by how they train and how they play, but mm-hmm. we need someone to be, be yelling at people and bringing people on and encouraging them and communicating game plans and especially post the clog loose, completely changing the way we play. Yeah, It has to have a real strong one for communicator. And it would make sense to me to be a centre-half, but again, I don't think... I like Julian, I like his attitude, but he gets too caught up in the physicality of things. Mm-hmm. He, he wants to always turn it into a battle, and a lot of times that's one of the big fella's game. You know, he's good in the air, he's solid, but he's no a, a, a brutish defender by any means. And I think he gets distracted and a bit, a bit wound up easily. So, so, yeah, I think we're going to have to bring someone in. I don't think anyone in the current squad... It's not that I'm fit to be captain, but to be captain of Celtic and to be captain of Celtic after Scott Brown, not for me.
6: We've lost a lot of leaders at the football club, Lawrence, and uh, none more so than Scott Brown. What do you do? Do you go with uh, a new man coming in, uh, as Brian suggested? Or is there somebody in there that you think has the, the qualities? I think that they might default to, to Callum McGregor, but I think that would be a mistake.
2: I think it's have touched on well, Foster, a lot of leaders, you know, Boyata, Tierney, Brown, Lustig, all captain material. all of them, every single one, all leaders on the park. Even Who's Foster? Foster. They're going to lose by Chris Iyer, leader on the park. Who's the leaders on the park now that's left in mm. that squad that yeah. actually would lead? Even Johnny Hayes, to an extent, was a leader on the park you the Rotary. I his commitment, his drive. Where, where is it the team? So uh, you know, it's not just captain. You, 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 real will be the leaders in that team.
6: Yeah, you're right. You need you. You look at the great Celtic sides. There was a captain, but there was a few others who could have been quite easily been the captain. Um, you know, you think of the eighties when you've you've got a team full of people like Roy Aiken, Tommy Bonds, Danny McGreen, and Pat Bonner. I mean, there's four captains right there. And then, Murder you know, all these guys could have been captains and, and you're struggling to actually pinpoint um, a candidate who is a, a, an absolute given <laughs> to be Celtic's new captain. And again, I think that's indicative of the, the season that we've just had and uh, the last couple of years at Celtic Football Club. We've already mentioned the backroom team. Some say that uh, he's going to bring his own in. Um, the the chat we've been hearing is that John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan are part of that team. I take what, what Lauren says, Brian, about that, that pair last season. They were part of that capitulation. They're working with the players every single day on the training pitch. Players who, you know, a Yeti and Griffiths were still waiting on for, you know, to, for them to get fit for last season. There's still no fit, and we're in June. They were unfit for an entire season. Now, that's down to a lot of different um, areas of the football club, you know, with the the diet and the the conditioning and all that, absolutely. But these guys were part of that problem last season. And the likelihood is, because we're preparing for the pre-season, the pre-season games and then a Champions League qualifier, these two guys will still be involved. What's your thoughts on that?
3: So first of all, I, I just want to caveat what I'm about to say before I get slaughtered on Twitter. I think they should have be been thrown out with, with Lennon. They should have left at the same time as Lennon. They should have left at the end of this season. they still there. What I do want to say though is, I know the players were unfit and they were the coaches, but they weren't the fitness coaches, they the only the sports scientists, the only the things in place that Brendan Rodgers had in place. And if you're judging Kennedy on player performance over the course of his tenure, you can't write off everything he done under Brendan Rodgers, everything he done in Lennon's first season, because last season was terrible. So I agree he was part of the problem, but I don't think he was the problem. I think, I touched on it in a kind of joking way, but I think the complete lack of professionalism in the squad was a huge issue to fitness. I think the lack of a modern football Backroom staff in terms of physios, fitness experts. I mean Brendan Rodgers when he was there was getting people measured for body fat every week. You know if anyone was over a certain degree, they didn't get a game. Lenny Bull counts is not even given them the tactics. So I think I think actually what you might have found is maybe if John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan weren't there, it could have been worse. It might not be. But it could have been. And I think as well in regards to to post a call, coming in maybe his background team that he's worked with in Japan did he want to travel from Japan mm-hmm. and you the yeah. families to Scotland it may have been the case that I, I actually don't from what I've seen I don't think he's been told this is your staff get on with it, it just doesn't seem like that type of character it, it, it doesn't I think what he's done is they've said to him look these are the guys that are in place do you want to interview them and see mm-hmm. how you feel about them and if he's chatty to them because bear in mind as well John Kennedy, he'd done a very bad impression of it, but he did try and imitate Brendan Rodgers in terms of the passing, the pressing, that type of attitude. Given how Poster was supposed to play, I can see why he would want him as part of his background staff. Especially because he, he knows the players already, and by all accounts, we, I mean, I don't think we saw it during these games in charge, but the players are really like him. So it might be good for Poster Kogler to have him in place. And that's it, as a link... And the thing is as well, Postal Cogler might come in, have eight months with him and decide he's not his man and yeah. hit him off. So there's that to remember. So I say, I don't think it's going to be a popular opinion. Um, and anyone that's about to give me abuse on Twitter, just relax, put your phone down, I get it.
0: <laughs>
3: but the reality, I actually think it's it's quite good that um, Kennedy and Stacking will, will be there for at least the beginning because I think he needs it. I think for all the stuff he has to, to do, the massive squad rebuild we've talked about, the massive internal shifting, you know, director of footballs, physios, whatever, and navigate Champions League qualifiers in less than 40 days. Mm-hmm. If you add in trying to find his own backroom staff and relocate him from Japan or start fresh, it's it's, no, it's not going to work. So, so actually I actually think, I think it's, it's much necessity in terms of desire. Yeah. But I will say, I don't think um, this me, the backroom team has been thrust upon him. I think he's been offered the chance that he wanted them. Mm-hmm. And I think he said yes, which is a big difference for Lennon, basically getting told what to do.
6: Listen, I think what you've done there, Brian, is offered a, a great deal of balance with regards to the part of the problem get rid of them. But I also constantly go on about continuity. Contingencies, Um, uh, you know, with with regards to the playing staff, and I don't think that there has been many in in a way contingencies. What happens if your right winger gets injured early in the season? Oh well, we don't have a winger, and that—that's been Celtic's kind of game plan. This time round, if someone was to come in with a brand new backroom staff, as you say, you've not only got one guy trying to to learn the club, learn the game, learn the country, get climatised to the country. You've got a whole team. Um, Now we know that some of the The big managers, the elite managers, bring a staff of 12, 17. We've heard up to 17 staff. At this moment in time, Celtic simply can't do that. There's been far too much upheaval. So I I totally get that. I don't think it's going to be a popular decision, but I think Celtic will do it, Lawrence, with that in mind. Um, If that's the case, do you think that there will also be an internal switch in personnel from... uh, Perhaps one of the youth teams or uh, someone behind the scenes into the Colts team because I've heard a couple of guys being linked to that job. I don't think we're going to be bringing in too many new faces where we can save a wage, if you like, and, and actually swap someone from perhaps an underage team at Celtic, move them into the Colts team. Yeah, I
2: mean, it wouldn't be like Celtic to do the cheap of that. if there's a, an option costs us money and an option costs us nothing, what are we going to do? Well, maybe a good. You know, it could be good, it's building continuity in I mean, as much as Larry complained about his background staff and at the bottom, he also said that Kennedy was very, very good so I'm not too sure how Larry kind of go. oh, he's terrible again but it was very, very good you're kind of going, well what's it there? We, do, you know, but we need continuity there's no way that Ange can kind of come in and do all this in three weeks when he lands, I know we'll be working on video analysis at the moment should be get the fitness fit though. Well, I'm assuming Celtic have measured body fat and VO2 max of, of players that are still here or as soon as they get back to training and have got their goals, what they want their VO2 max and their body fat to be, they've probably got 10 yards and their B test, whatever going on. So all, all that could be done at distance to get, get them fit in two weeks, you would think. You know, they don't have an underlying level of fitness. It's going to leave three weeks, get get to know a new backroom staff off. Who already know the environment he's in, yeah. Or, yeah, try and persuade people to come and learn everything from scratch, you know. I know. So, you might see him bringing his staff throughout his tenure, or people starting to join throughout his tenure. I think mm-hmm. a reason that is he started bringing his staff in, you know. Not everybody joined the day one, did exactly. They were, were led in, so it could be something that, that we're looking at as much as a. Uh, Kennedy didn't impress anyone with his cameo. You, you, you know, you were looking and going, Geez, have you really tried anything different? But a lot of that was, I think touched on, it was pretty poor squad management, working the wings. So yeah, what, what, yeah. What, 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 what were his options? Well, we had three number 10s and we managed to get all of them on the park for most of the season in the same game, which was, you know, we could repeatedly say it didn't work. And think commitment? oh, Ryan Christie's best position is number 10. Right. <laughs> we all kind of knew wasn't right winger, but we were struggling because of that. So, what to do, mate? And I think, and Brian's right, you know, is keep them and then let Andrew a look at them and see how they work. And, and, and he's got to suss out can he work with them or not? Uh, if it's going to be successful or not? And if it's not, change them out. For the Colts team, we've kind of heard rumours of John Hughes, uh, and now there's rumours it's going to be. Someone internally, that that, that person internally, if they're shown promise and they'll take on board Angie's instructions, because I'm sure Angie's going to be saying, This is the way the Colts team has got to play Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. they've got to step in here. I need you to be able to follow that, and that's how the tactics are going to be. It could be a smart move, but time will tell.
6: Time will tell. One final subject to cover, and this bleeds into the fans. I mean, over the last season, and I said this last season. um, You know, we've been blamed for a hell of a lot, Brian, uh, particularly from Neil Lennon, Um, and I'm pretty sure you know a whole host of other people think it's some in some way attributable to the fans that uh, Celtic season fell off the edge of a cliff. Um, I, I would suggest that the fans are the only. The only factor of the club that that didn't fail the club. People might say, "Oh, but what about what happened after Ross County?" You know, really, over an entire season, uh, one tiny flashpoint outside the ground. Um, I'm sorry, you you can't hang the Celtic support over that. Um, So the fans are very unhappy with various aspects of the club at the moment. None more so than the boardroom. Now we've seen um, the banners coming up counting down the days i'm pretty sure a few other banners ready waiting in the wings and then the final one not fit for purpose and there was images of every boardroom um, member i think it was telling that many people brian online didn't recognize a lot of those faces that were appearing on the banner i think that speaks volumes for the the manner in which this board have been anonymous for a number of years. Now, on the one side, I would say, well, they were being led in many ways by a very, very strong CEO in Peter Lowell. And and to be honest with you, he cast quite a long and dark shadow on the rest of the boardroom, to be quite frank. I mean, he was the, the figurehead, wasn't he? Making decisions and it was always him and Dermot Desmond. And we know that officially decisions, uh, you know, CEOs can be taken to task. How much of that was happening in the boardroom, who knows? Um, is it time... For us to to reevaluate uh, the makeup of that boardroom, do we require far more diversity, far more creativity? And do you think it's a bit unfair at the moment? Some of the flack that Don McKay's getting—I mean, he was part of that big banner campaign, wasn't he?
3: The flack that Don McKay's, uh, Don McKay's getting is poor. The guy's not started the job yet. If we get to like it's the same with Andrew Postacoglu, if we get to this thing next year, and Postacoglu has been playing a. Uh, a one three six formation with James Forrest and goals and dominant the guys don't be buying any players, then we can criticize. At this stage the guy's not in a job, so you know, to do that, it, it, it just gives um, other outlets ammunition, to attack the Celtic fans. Um in terms of the board, yeah, I think I think any board always needs diversity, diversity of thought, diversity of colour, diversity of background, diversity of gender. It always needs to actually function successfully at any level. It doesn't matter if it's Celtic, it doesn't matter if it's football. It always needs diversity. I just want to touch on your point about the fans and fan media. So fan media gets a lot of stick. Axon gets a lot of stick. And I think it's terrible. The reason being, the conversations that we had today, we would be having in the pub, wouldn't be any different. It's not gender driven. We have all different points of view. And actually people, I know for myself, watching shows like this, engaging fan media, has been a release that we've not had during lockdown. Mm-hmm. Now, you saw how frustrated and pent-up people got during lockdown. That's why the Ross County thing happened with the fans, because they would no other way of expressing themselves. Fan media allows that. It allows people to actually hear these conversations and chat about them and engage with them. Now, yeah, Celtic fans will fight amongst ourselves, not literally the way other clubs' fans do, but they will argue amongst ourselves. But what unites us all is that we love the club. So see, everyone that's on Twitter now and disagrees with me, Paul Lawrence, and wants to call each other names, just remember, we all love the club. We all want what's best for the club. And that's what unifies us. There's a reason Celtic fans are the best in the world. There's a reason for it, and it's because of how passionate we are about the club and how well we support it. Yeah, I get it's been divisive this season. Yeah, I get everyone's been arguing, but lockdowns are a part of that. And I think it's about time people come together and stop fighting amongst ourselves because there's so many more battles we're going to face this season and we have to just stick together get behind the team and get behind each other and actually if you disagree with someone brilliant but don't be calling them names just disagree that's all I wanted to say
6: well listen if that had come from the official channel Brian I would have been full of hope for the coming season well said mate Uh, and I agree with that yeah there's been a lot of uh, nonsense written and as you know disagree with us I mean no one on this channel thinks they're right every single time I mean you know Mark Hughes might not have been a great manager for Celtic you know no everybody's going to agree but don't get abusive because you know some people can take it others can't you know, and again with the with a lockdown, Brian, people are vulnerable. So sometimes that fragility could be pushed over the edge just with certain words that are used that might trigger doubts in their own mind, and it could be the root of something that, that goes wrong in their life. So, absolutely brilliant, good words, Lawrence Connolly. It's been a pleasure on Saturday afternoon to chat to you, sir, and uh, our newest recruit, Brian. And hopefully we can do this far more often on a Celtic state of mind. Thanks everybody for getting involved. Uh, we're looking ahead to a new era. It's Celtic Football Club and A Celtic State of Mind will cover it every step of the way Join us again on Monday at 12.30 Thanks for joining us on A Celtic State of Mind